from the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is The Relevant Podcast. It's Tuesday, April 9th, 2019, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studios on the ones and twos, our illustrious engineer, my brother, Chandler Strang. Hello. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, home of the University of Virginia Musketeers, I don't know. That's right. Jesse Carey. <laughs> Cavaliers National Champs. Hello, hello. Close. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> I always uh, felt like you were probably more of a West Virginia fan. <laughs> you know what I mean. On the Skype line <laughs> I from... I don't, but... <laughs> I'm, I'm a big fan of coal. I'm a big fan of coal country. West Virginia. <laughs> coal country carry. I'm the Skype line from Gatorland, Florida. Eddie Big Cat Coffold. Go Gators out the second round. Well done, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and on the Skype line, join us this week from Brooklyn Heights, New York. Podcaster, speaker, author, cowgirl extraordinaire, Annie F. Downs. Good morning, gents. What are you doing in Brooklyn Heights? I am up here because a friend of mine is doing her debut on Broadway tomorrow. And I have some meetings up here this week. So I'm up here for the week. Awesome. Oh yeah, that's the Wicked. Your friend yeah, that's in yeah, Wicked, yeah. right? She's the new Glinda on in Wicked, and t- tonight is her premiere performance as Glinda. So I'm here for wow. that. But then that's I a also big step up. scheduled some work. That's yeah. exciting. Isn't that cool? I, I mean, mean, it's Broadway. just kind of crazy. Yeah, when she was 12 years old, y'all, she like went to this play and sat in the fourth row, and it, it intermission said to her parents, "I want to be Glinda someday." Wow! And now she is like 15 years later or something. She is Glinda. When I was 12 years old, my parents took me to a live taping of Double Dare, and I was convinced yeah. I would be called in and my whole family would get slimed. And guess what, Annie? Some <laughs> dreams don't happen. And that story is really Some 12-year-old dreams don't come true. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Luckily, you want to talk about them. calling something? This is weird and totally unrelated, but also the... Okay. My, uh, a person who works at the Orlando Magic texted me yesterday and said, do you remember before the season what you texted me when I asked you how... They asked me like, hey, what do you think about the team this year? And I said before the season, I think they're going to go 41 and 41 and make the playoffs. And they are 41 and 40 and they're making the playoffs. And they have one game left on Wednesday And here's why I'm very, this is why this is very exciting to me. Is Cameron and I went to Summer League uh, in Las Vegas, Nevada. Fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. um, We did. A few months ago. And just as... I was about to say, I feel like our lives are moving too fast. I feel like y'all just went there. I know. But just as, almost as a joke, Cameron bought a... A ticket for like five dollars. Not it sounds not like we're out there, you know, th- you know, slinging around fat stacks. You can't remember a five dollar ticket as a joke. As a that joke. The ma- that well, because the, the magic they had the magic listed at ten, like ten thousand to one to win the NBA championship. I'm like, I'm putting five right? bucks on that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hey. So so if if they win, I mean, you, you're sitting chance. on yeah yeah <laughs> a lot of money. Dollars. Yeah, a lot of money. Wow, anyway. that is a lot of money just for being a huge fan. It's five dollars. Five dollars. Five bucks. Hey, uh, we have a great show in store for you today. But first, I want to tell you that today's episode is brought to you by World Vision and their upcoming initiative, their Global Six K for Water. It's a one-day event where people from all over the world walk and run 6K in their own neighborhoods to bring lasting clean water to children in need. Every step you take is one they won't have to. Now, why 6K? Six kilometers is the average distance women and kids in the developing world walk 
for clean water. When you walk or run World Vision's Global 6K for Water, you provide life-changing clean water to one person in need through your registration fee, and then you can raise more money too. So no matter where you walk or run, you'll be celebrating lives changed. The event takes place May 4th, and the whole relevant staff is running it, and we'd love for you to join us wherever you are. You could join us actually here in Orlando. Uh, I know they have big groups in like LA, Minneapolis, and Phoenix, and Dallas, uh, but there's groups running all over the world. Last year, they had 48,000 people participate. I think this year, we're shooting for 75,000. Yeah. You can find out how to get involved. You can sign up. or You can find a group in your area at worldvision6k.org. If you actually want to come down, I think we have like 50 people coming down here to run with us. Uh, you can go to worldvision6k.org slash relevant if you want to come to Orlando and actually run it with the relevant staff. It's you guys, listen to this. Yeah. I am speaking at a conference that weekend and I had a call with them last week and they said, we didn't have this planned on Saturday, but we've added a six case since you can't go run with your relevant friends we're gonna do a yeah. world vision nice. 6k here on saturday and invite all the women to the conference to do it how fun is that that is really cool, cool. now a uh, cohen my nine-year-old is running it we registered him and his packet came uh, last night and we were like talking about it and everything he's kind of freaked out about running four miles yeah. or you know <laughs> but you can walk and run and whatever it's not a race i mean it's just for a good cause well and, i'll be running and it, i don't do anything <laughs> Unless I do it to win but it. The cool thing is, is like when, glory. when you register, you get a shirt sent to you and also like a <laughs> racing bib, right? But they put the actual kid on the racing bib that your $50 registration fee provided clean water for. So you meet the kid, you know who he is or she is. And so I got to teach Cohen about clean water and like we met and talked about the kid that his race is going to impact his life and stuff. And it's really cool. Like there's a whole family can go do it. So, yeah. you know. We're, we're, or the whole women's conference can go do it. Whatever. I love like, it. I am ferociously training because, like I said, I I'm not do anything unless I can win and receive a lot of glory and admiration <laughs> for myself. And uh, you know, if that means I have to put other people down who are slower than me, I will do that too. I need affirmation. You're gonna do that either way. It. You're gonna do that I whether you win or lose, whatever way I can. Okay? Yeah. Right. I like it. It's actually 6K to my closest Coke freestyle machine at the neighborhood deli. So I'm going to be participating, but it's for soda. If it's 6K, it's not your neighborhood deli. Yeah, if it takes you 6K miles. to get there, that's somebody's neighborhood. It ain't yours, but I, I know I've said this many times, but the, the first thing that would happen if I like, came into just some you know absurd amount of money, the first purchase I make would be one of those machines where you can you know really? just do the touchscreen and your mix in and vanilla's going all in shooting and everything out. Oh, it's it's the dream. It is the dream literally to have one of those. It doesn't get any better, you know? <laughs> I wouldn't yes, it does. I want a Coke Icy machine in my house. That's way better. We have a great show in store for you. Coming up later, Marty and Fern from Social Club Misfits join us. They have a brand new EP out called Mood. Super interesting. They're doing two EPs. The first one that they just released is like dark. And then the second one will be like light. And then later the two EPs will be turned yeah. into an album. Yeah, very cool. But this, like John this, Foreman series. Yeah. When he did really the seasons. Cool. And then uh, coming up at the end of the show, we have a special segment. A lot of people have been hitting us up about the thing that has taken the little Christian bubble internet by storm this week. Uh, <laughs> the Instagram account, Preachers and Sneakers. Obviously, a lot of the guys who have appeared on that feed have been on this show. And people are like, what do y'all think of this? We're going to have um, our friends Prop and Jamie Torkowski from Trite Love and Arms. If you follow the feed at all, Jamie is a prolific commenter on it. Uh, the, those two guys are going to join us at the end of the show to yeah. let's talk about it. Let's, can, I, 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 want, can I, 
I just want to say real quick, you know, this is our Gucci gang coming on (laughs) to talk preachers and safety. Sorry. Go ahead, Eddie. Now, yes, I I don't want I'll save all thoughts. But Cameron, you do love shoes. Have you ever been a little worried that one of your favorite pairs of shoes is going to show like you could show up on that thread? I mean, I don't know what your shoes are, but you do have you don't you're not a very extravagant person, but you do yeah, but have some not shoes. Like hype, you're not into like high beast shoes, though. I, I mean, I enjoy them. I do can't afford them. Cameron and I, I talked about them. this at length I, last week. Uh, my shoe, my shoes have been ninety five percent were procured in the Nike clearance. Yeah, I was section. about to say like you go yes. to the Nike store. And okay. that's not like yeah. you're not going. I don't have those. And, yeah. I don't have. Those. I did, I've never bought, I bought anything from StockX or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, was like, literally at an outlet, at a Nike outlet store, and yeah. I found like a sweet pair of Jordans, like totally like just like a treasure hunt find, you know, at the outlet. And I was and I I was a little conflicted, but I'm <laughs> yeah, like, you yeah. know what? I don't care. Yeah. I'm gonna buy yeah. them. They look cool, and they aren't nine hundred dollars. So no, I will, yeah, I, know. I, will I have procure a, them. You know, I have a one hundred pair uh, dollar pair of uh, Nikes, and they're extravagant. I can't believe I bought them. J- J- <laughs> JD JD has this really cool pair. I think they're they're flights, but they're from like I remember them when I was a kid, and now they're you know had like a reissue, and they're super dope. And I was like, JD, where did you get those? Like, I those are really cool. Um, and he was like, dude, Marshalls. I found them at Marshalls. <laughs> you can find some yeah, that's the only problem to me with this account is that, well, we can talk about it later, but yeah, we're okay. ju- yeah, yeah. yeah, we'll save it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because there's a lot of Yeezys at Marshalls. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I have two pair of really nice shoes that I got to go to a, go to an invite only sale and get them for 90% off. If I wear them on stage, someone could take a screenshot and go, she These. paid this oh. for it. And they don't know that I got it 90% off. They're like, you're in like Jimmy choose on stage and they're all like right. judging you. I would love for you to be on that feed though. Like yeah. it would make <laughs> there us been really any women on that feed yet. So don't worry. I've been noticing that it's just a bunch of dudes. We'll let yeah. the dudes eat each other up. Y'all can, yeah. Isn't this an okay sexism Annie, I'm going to submit your picture. I'm going to submit your picture. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't worn either of them on stage yet. Oh, make it happen. I'll submit it, Annie. Well, that's just a nice little sampling of what's going to come up at the end of the show. Um, all right, moving the show along. Well, you know what? Let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll do slices. Listening to Khalid with John Mayer. The song is Out of My Head, which is funny because we're in your head right now. Podcast. Uh, at the beginning of the podcast, you heard Switchfoot with Voices, also podcast themed. Okay, it's time for Slices. All right, what do you have, Jesse? Okay, I have a two for, but they're both short. I know we got a lot to, I, we have a lot to get to, but one of substance, one I just really want to talk about. So the uh, recently, the General Social Survey, which is a survey that has been doing for decades, that basically looks at a lot of like uh, a variety of demographic information and social uh, information about the American population. It's been going on for decades. They look at it, and there was something really, really significant. 
that uh, occurred in this uh, in this latest social survey as it pertains to religion. Okay, so there was there is now a new category that has overtaken uh, many of the um, you know major Christian denominations. So uh, evangelicalism. Uh, Catholicism, there's a new number one category for religion, for things that for a belief system that Americans now hold a new number one. Can anyone guess what it is? I have no idea. Wouldn't be like, like agnostic. It is. It's nuns. (gasps) For the first time in American history, the people who claim that they have no religion at all are now the single largest uh, demographic uh, in in terms of uh, belief systems. That's actually a 266% increase in the last 30 years. So now they account for 23.1% of the population. Now, that's just barely ahead of Catholics and evangelicals, uh, which are just about 22%. But it's still significant. For the first time ever, people who claim no religion at all are bigger than any uh, mainline denomination. Can I ask some clarifying questions, Jesse? Sure. Is it so religious or religion like they don't they're not claiming a church affiliation, but they still may believe or like they're just saying like they're they're there's no belief in God in their heart. And that's what they're saying. Yeah, they they, they don't define themselves. So like, I mean, it's possible, like you said, Eddie, that they're like agnostic or something that they think there's a possibility that God exists. But these are people who don't claim to be a part of any religion at all. Um, so hmm. it's kind of a, a wide umbrella, but they've been asking this question for 30 years. So it, it's, you know, the, that's been the constant. And so, I mean, you're talking about it, you know, almost tripling in three decades, uh, the amount of people who don't even want to claim any religion at all. Well, and it's going to greatly increase. I mean, we watch the generational shift stuff and we report on it in the magazine quite a bit, but um, you know, the funny thing to me about the church is like, you know, we're sitting there reaching kind of 18 to thirties and we're been screaming for 10, 15 years to the church, like wake up, they're leaving the church or whatever. And we get a big yawn from traditional church leadership saying, eh, there's nothing new under the sun. Everybody leaves after you know, during college and wander. And then when they have kids, they come back, you know, like in their yeah. mid thirties or something like that. Don't worry about it. It's we've been here before, you know what I mean? And, and, mm. and, and, and 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 that by and large is somewhat true, except Gen Z coming up, which is up to twenty two now. So I mean, these are college seniors. Yeah. Is Gen Z? They we just reported are the least believing uh, d- generation in history, and they I think it was fifteen percent said they have any sort of religious inclination at all. Like fifteen percent, eighty five percent non believing. Unbelievable shift. Unbelievable yeah. shift in Gen Z. They're just because they're growing up, their parents are Gen X, you know, or or even older millennials, or not even older millennials, just millennials. I mean, they're 30, they have a Gen Z or, you know. So like millennials aren't, you know, drifted from faith. They aren't coming back. And then their kids are being raised, not in the church. They're being raised with no religious exposure at all. And so they have no and this is, you know, this is what theologians and scholars have been saying was going to happen in the U.S. for years because yeah. it's exactly what already happened in Europe. Right. It's what happened in Europe a generation ago, right? When the we're only, we're just one generation behind what happened in Europe when people stopped going to church, and so uh, we can always look uh, east and see and see where we're going culturally 
because they tend to be ahead of us one one generation ahead of us religiously. I'm sorry, I just I, th- I don't believe that. I love a royal wedding. So. That being said, you do love a royal <laughs> wedding. I just it's wish not that, all bad. I just wish Gen Z. Oh my gosh, Z, it's not bad at all. I don't want to hear. It, it, I didn't say it was bad. I was just messing around. I was okay. just playing Annie. Sorry. I just Keep really going. love just, you. I just you know how I feel about Scotland. No, no, I was no, like, no, I'm no. not saying it's bad. I'm just saying no, no. it's to be noted. <laughs> no, sorry. All right, Jesse, please. I was going to say I just wish Gen Z had you know, more people in the pulpit that look like them that they could relate to. That was wearing like <laughs> limited edition off-white Jordans. Like, I feel Stupid. like, Stupid. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's just a joke. It's a joke. One thing I, I, I'm not, I'm not playing devil's advocate here. I just am always curious about like, if this correlates to the, the church, like the institution of the church seems to have it being a shift right now where it used to be these like, like the Methodist church is in upheaval. The Presbyterian church went through this, like the term evangelical is, you know, confusing for a lot of people. It used to be a little bit more cut and dry. I wonder like if you were really, I wonder if the people that are saying they have no faith really just don't have a name for it because they're just not involved in a church. They're like not comfortable in a church setting. Yeah. Like, I wonder really like the state of souls versus the state of just awareness of how to name that, which is true. Does that yeah, make sense? I would imagine the amount of Methodists has, or whatever uh, denominational sure. Christians has gone down significantly. Right. I, I wish I had our last issue in front of me because we talked about this. Like, so the 15% Gen Z thing, the question was why, you know, and, and one of the major issues is they don't, they won't accept the evangelical church because their value system is different. So right. they're to them number, like one of the top values that they have is like equality uh, uh, justice issues are at the yeah. top of the list. And, 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 and then when they look at the American evangelical church, they don't see a value system that aligns with their own. So they reject it. So it's, it is a, it's a decision. It's not like, I don't know what to call this. It's like, they're going, no, 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 that, that doesn't represent what I stand right. for. And so I don't want that. It's a rejection of, yeah. it's interesting. And, and in our piece, like it was, yeah. you know, reported, like, I mean, what is the church going to do with this? I mean, this is, it's, and I'm not saying like, okay, throw the baby out the bathwater. We got to rethink everything to appeal to a new generation. But it's like, fundamentally, the church needs to wrestle with this. You know, like there is a generation that has not been raised in the church, does not have that context of worldview. The world has radically changed in the last 10 years. The world that they know is is different than the world prior to 10 years ago. Yeah. And, and their value system is just fundamentally different. And so like, unless the church somehow finds a way to meet them where they are, it's going to be really interesting to see. I mean, this isn't, I mean, just even just like thinking about the tangible impact of this, the pipeline, we, we work with a, a number, I think there's like 400 Christian universities in, in the U S and a lot of them advertise with relevant stuff like that. They are scrambling right now because they're the pipeline of prospective students is dwindling. Cause that's Gen Z. Gen yeah. Z right. and Gen Z is 15% religious. Christian universities are struggling to yeah. appeal to them and stuff. And so it's interesting. I mean, like the, the fallout is going to be significant and I think fairly swift yeah. in the next five years. There's know? something and, to me though that feels like there is still, I mean, there's still a huge amount of opportunity, right? Because if there's some, if there's someone, something that cracks the code of here's how to authentically communicate what is real and true. Right. right. Like the basic baptismal statements. These are the things that are true. If someone can figure out how to crack that code in a way that they will hear. And and again, it's just like, what does church look like for them? But when that code is cracked, I think it'll be 
I mean, I hate that word. I'm not like a big fan of the word revival because I feel like it's like tossed around. But it does seem like it's a little bit on the precipice of that kind of moment. Hey, that, I, I couldn't yeah. agree with you more, man. I'm an optimist. I mean, there's a lot of people who are looking at these studies and they're like doom and gloom about the future of the church. I completely agree with you. I believe like this can be a positive wake up call for the church and God is bigger than all of this. And the body, the bride of Christ, it ain't going anywhere. And the yeah. church is getting ready for a season of thriving and of new impact at a deeper level, authentic level. I think the me centered surface level Christianity that has kind of become the standard that is yeah. being rejected. And yeah. like, I think the Christianity that will emerge it, it, like from the ashes of that destruction uh, yeah. is going to be authentic and real and world changing. And I am excited about this. I'm glad it's like shake the baby. I mean, like yeah. we need it like good reject. What shake is the baby is the exact right phrase you want. <laughs> But I'm saying, like the dog, just kick yeah. the dog down the street. <laughs> but, just punch the, the woman. Just punch yeah. the woman. <laughs> hey, I've, I've been, I've been <laughs> in conversations and thinking and praying about this a lot, especially, I don't know, God's put this on my heart in the last few months, especially just like 20 years ago when we started Relevant, it was like there was a void that like in the body of Christ, there was a void that was obvious to a lot of us and we needed to fill it. We needed to give voice to this new movement God was doing. We needed to wrestle with things that the church wasn't wrestling with and that was kind of the percept, you know, like the genesis of why we're doing relevant. There's a new need right now. And like yeah. God has been burdening me with this. Like there is an opportunity to do and say something that is not being said right now. And I, I'm, I feel a shift, you know, it's yeah. going to be, it's gonna be interesting, man. It's gonna be different. So the question is, will the church crack the code quick enough for this generation or will it take Right? Does it take generations? Like, yeah. it, it's hard. Jesse, I keep interrupting. I'm no, sorry. No, Go no, ahead. you're fine. Those are good insights. And I think part of it, too, is like, you know, what's concerning is like some of the old guard resistance to new social value systems that they don't understand. Like, you looked at like that, you know, uh, statement that, you know, John MacArthur and his sort of, uh, you know, cronies crafted a few months ago that, you know, was basically like social, you know, the, the impetus of it is social justice isn't the gospel. Like, don't uh, conflate these. And it was just kind of this big, almost like takedown and distancing uh, their, you know, what they see as the core message of Christianity away from values of, uh, you know, fighting social injustice and inequality, where you look at Gen Z and a lot of young people in this country, I mean, as sort of a microcosm, look at the aftermath of like the Parkland shooting. You know, these students right. fashion themselves as uh, activists and advocates for change. And I think the church needs to align itself, not distance itself from the type of activism that ultimately is in line with like kingdom values, you know, because it's not, it's not saying it's either this or, you know, just the spiritual side of the gospel. It's saying they're the same thing. Like our spiritual transformation should inspire us to enact a social transformation. And I think too many young people rightly see the church as an institution that's resistance to social change that's instead right. of on the forefront of social change. And I think until the church can really embrace that calling, you know, they, they, they are going to have sort of a cognitive dissidence with a younger generation, you know? Well, and, and I hate to self-promote, but I, I mean, it's salient to the point is the resounding comment I've gotten from the new activist that I was never expecting was I don't go to church. 
I've walked away from faith. Like they'll tell me like their woundedness backstory. They'll say, but because I'm listening to this and engaging in this issue, I feel like I'm understanding God better. And that was never, I mean, truthfully, that was never the point of the show, but the fact that they're engaging in some sort of justice activism, like that's, that's entering right into the heart and mind of what God is hoping for us. And so that's like that. It really, that's a really interesting point, Jesse. And the hard thing is that it is very, there are a lot of times it is very clear what the, just thing to do is, but it's not every time that it's really clear. Yeah, and what totally. a pastor has to face is that half his congregation thinks justice looks this way and half his congregation thinks justice looks that way. And to step into it is to take a side like that, that looks like a political side when it actually should just be a social decision. Sure. Like they sh- we should step into it as a church, but, but I, I appreciate and recognize the resistance not outward resistance, just the internal struggle that a pastor or a staff church staff or the church would have in taking what is considered a political side when it's actually not. Yeah. I I think partisanship has poisoned all types of dialogue in this country, including from the pulpit. And that's a shame, but I think that, you know, that should be resisted that people should be able to take a stand on an issue regardless of its, arbitrary political implications because it is arbitrary. One party has decided that this is their issue and the other one's part of, you know, so I think a a resistance to partisanship is going to be really essential to, you know, unmarry the church from toxic political rhetoric. That means people like us who attend church have to do that. Yeah. Right. Like we have to do that too. And, and often in conversations that I have with my friends, who are not in church leadership, but attend church, they do not separate that. They think this, this party is pro and this party is against, and this party is pro and this party is against. Right. And, and if we don't separate it as people who attend the church, the people who are looking from the outside in, whether they're going in the building or just having coffee with us, they think the church doesn't separate it. Yeah. Well, I mean, the problem is the church, like what y'all are talking about, this justice and the gospel tension is like, it's not a tension. I mean, literally yeah. Jesus said, Love God and love your neighbor. That's it. That's what we should be about. And the American church doesn't model that. They they yeah. they they emphasize the loving God, worship experience, you know, that kind of thing. But they don't equally emphasize love your neighbor, which is a justice mandate to be the hands and feet of Christ and to surround yourself and to serve people who are not like you, you know. And I think to, that's a strong statement to say the what? church doesn't do that. I think there's a lot of churches. Who do. do you're that. right. You're right. You're right. And who are trying to do that. But, but I think that I think the perception of the institution of church is that it's become more focused on the congregants needs at the moment than society's needs as a whole. Like I'm not I, I'm saying I, I think true. that's the perception, you know, right. and I think in order to change that perception, we need to do like what Cameron was saying, which is, you know, break down that perceived wall that is between you know, justice issues, social change, activism, and the gospel on the other side. Just tear the wall down between them, you know? It's one, it's all connected. It was like yeah. one command. It's like, do this and this. It's not like, do this, stop. You know, it's yeah. like both and, and one's yeah. an outgrowth of the other. Yeah. Anyway. 
Anyway, was that a two I, I do for have, slice? I, sorry, that was the quick one. No, this one. <laughs> this one really slices. This is a palate cleansing. Yeah, mine's you know, about Easter candy, so yeah. we'll be fine. Oh, this is a Guinness World Records. We're going to be okay. Okay, okay. This yeah. is a palate mm-hmm. cleansing fun one. Okay, this this guy, uh, Tim uh, uh, Chardent, uh, he seems like a, he lived an incredible life. He, he sadly passed away recently. Chardent? Chardent. The Chardent Hornets. Yeah, the Chardent, Tim Chardent. <laughs> That's terrible. He 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 recently passed away, but he lived a really great life, and his and his family has released uh, an extended obituary that has gone viral. And I would like to read a couple lines from it because this is Gosh, I want I think people. I'm hate this. I, I, I want I want if if something happens to me for you guys to take notes. And I work with a fabulous team of uh, of writers and thinkers that can oh, craft. No. An excellent obituary. So I'm going to take a couple lines from this okay. and just okay. Sweet so, Cohen is going to be listening back to this episode. Th- he someday. lived a great life. Okay, this is yeah. this is th- th- it begins with Tim Chardon made his last inappropriate comment on March 29th, oh, 2019. No. No. <laughs> 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 they, they they gave his birthday, but they said it was probably 100 too late because given Tim's demeanor, he would have been the perfect weathered cowboy in the old west or a rough and tumble pioneer. Or it says, or maybe he just should have been Amish. <laughs> so he had all kinds of adventures in his life, <laughs> starting when he was at Catholic school. Uh, there, he this says he may have met his match. We're not saying the nuns won, but they put up a good fight. We mean literally, he got into a fist fight with a nun. In fairness, she probably started it. So this guy's fist fighting with nuns oh as an elementary school kid. Okay. <laughs> uh, he later uh, he later joined the army, and this is a quote from the obituary. This provided for many interesting episodes and stories, the tensions and demotions, and a few quote unquote run-ins with the law, not just locally. But globally, this is a man who was fist fighting at nuns as a second grader and is starting instant international incidents as, as a young man. Uh, Tim worked with a bunch of friends and a quote, a bunch of morons as well. Uh, <laughs> the, the family says Tim, Tim leaves behind a lot of stuff that his family doesn't know what to do with. So if you're looking for a Virgin Mary bathtub shrine, uh, you should wait for the appropriate amount of time and get in touch with them. It says, uh, you know, a common line in obituaries is he never met a stranger. In Tim's case, he never met a rule he couldn't break, a boundary he couldn't push, a line he couldn't cross, or a story he couldn't stretch. Another common obituary phrase is he'd give the shirt off his back. Well, Tim was prepared to do that, too, and he could do it quickly because he always wore his shirt uh, three quarters of the way uh, unbuttoned, which I'm liking this guy. <laughs> this guy lived, he was L I V I N. His family like roasting him in his obituary. He, oh man. And, and the, final, the, the final line is uh, <laughs> well, he. <laughs> He says he was ready to meet his maker. We're just not sure. Quote, the maker was ready to meet Tim. Good luck, God. And finally, God, oh, man, I love this guy. And I love that. Whoever you know, wrote it is great. I know. And, I, and I'm sure Tim, wherever he is, is, is there with his robe in, in heaven. That is that he's leisurely leaving the front front top open, looking down, getting a good final laugh. And I would say also there's a pretty good chance that Tim wrote this. Yeah, yeah. Right. that's <laughs> right. To be released posthumously, like this oh, feels yeah. like his brand of jokes. Hey, th- yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. good point, Eddie. I'm not trusting any of you guys with my obituary. I'm going to go ahead and write one after. <laughs> I've already podcast. written up one draft, Jesse. I just keep updating it for you. It just so. with the date every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just updating it for Jesse. <laughs> 
yeah, I am. Um, I I have very I very specific requests about what happens if I die, and I've told Brienne all of it. But one of them is there is someone who I'm not going to tell you who will get up to do like some sort of eulogy, but just tell super fake stories the whole time that no one has. <laughs> no, had we're any, not going to let that happen. No, you'll never know who it is. But I've told this person they're going to get up and they're going to just tell. But I said nothing that really disparages character or freaks anyone out. Yeah. But I just want there to be mass confusion in the room about like you went on. You hiked the whole Appalachian Trail. Like I had no idea you did this. So yeah, I look, want them. Look, yeah, look, that's yeah, what I want. I've told people, listen, punch up the obit. Okay, yeah. just, you know, <laughs> I mean, I did some cool stuff, but make it sound really, really special. Like, it, you know, I was a spy or something. Just figure it out. Figure it out. Anything. I'll be dead. I'll be dead. I still so. think you might be a spy. I'm not convinced that isn't true. That's in my first draft of your obituary. No, that's, I think that's, you, yeah, Jesse Carey, I think you may have been a spy. Annie F. Downs thinks was, Jesse Carey might have There been. was definitely something wrong with him. It could have been that he was. <laughs> there was definitely some espionage. secrets. We just didn't yeah. know what they were. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What do you have, Annie? Okay, you guys. So a bunch of us were sitting around last week talking about uh, Guinness World Records and trying to get one. Because apparently to get a Guinness World Record, you just like have to tell them what you want to do. And they and if they find it worthy, they'll send send out people yeah. to watch or record or whatever. Yeah. Um, which I don't know about y'all, but there was like no book that was more treasured from the library when I was in elementary school than the Guinness World Records books. Oh, yeah, yeah it was the best. I mean, got, that was we, we talked yeah. about this before, but like oh, they've yeah. gotten too fancy in the glory days. They weren't like a yearbook with shiny no, photos. Right. and it was like newsprint. No, yeah, it was, but remember it was, it was like a romance novel. Fingernails. There was yeah. always a long <laughs> fingernails picture that used to and gross it, me out. Okay. Well, <laughs> I got to tee this up, Jesse. I know exactly where you're going. The the two big fat guys. Yes, on the there, there's three things that every good, that every real Guinness Book of World Records has. It's one is the guy with the curly long fingernails that has yep. a, one of them in a bag. One of yeah. them is, yes. is in a velvet bag for protection. He is unveiled one. And you're like, okay. One is like the tallest man in the world. It's the same picture from like 1946 every time. He's like in some yep. Romanian village yeah. Yeah. towering yep. over people in like a poorly tailored suit. The three, a poorly tailored suit every time. <laughs> I mean, I mean it, to be fair, he was 11 feet tall. Yeah, this is awesome. yeah, they're trying to yeah. tailor a twin they ran sheet. out of fabric. Yeah, yeah tailoring <laughs> sheets. And obviously is the last page. The one you flip to first is like, wow, that is awesome. Yeah. And that is the yeah. two large twins riding tiny motorcycles down the highway. And it's <laughs> Like, that's, that's the records I want. I want. I want the extremes of the human physique on display in this book. Not these lame. Who can juggle the most oranges while singing zippity doo dah on a on a, on a unicorn on a tightrope? It's like they're just throwing more details in it. It's like, yeah, I'm probably the first person in the world to hop on one foot down my street while just shouting, you know, lines from this dude's obituary. Give me the world record because. I guarantee no one's ever done that. So that's exactly what's happened is yeah. there's a guy in North Carolina named Steve Langley who holds six world records, but they all have to do with blowing bubbles. You guys, oh, no. <laughs> or some sort of use of bubbles. So for example, the one he just got, congratulations, Stephen Langley. The one he just got is he put the record that he was trying to set was the most number of people inside a soap bubble in 30 seconds. So, you know, like you would stand in a ring and someone would lift up the big circle bubble maker yeah. around you. 
Yeah. Got 13 people into a soap bubble with 30 seconds. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. That's so impressive. Is it? Because I don't even know. Like, if you're like, hey, because, okay, here's the thing. There's no point of relationship to that. If someone was like, hey, man, I'll give you 30 seconds and all the tools, how many people do you think you could put in a bubble? I'm like, I don't yeah. know, 12, 13? How am I supposed to know? Like, is that impressive? I have no idea because I've never attempted it. You know what is impressive? Yeah. Fingernails, they're two and a half feet long and curl because I do know about that. Agreed. I know how long my nails are. I know how long everybody else's nails are. I have no idea how many people fit in a soap bubble. You could have told me 50 and I'd be equally unimpressed. I'd be like, I mean, sure, why not? You know, it's a massive soap bubble. I mean, I have no idea. That's a good point. I've literally had no reason to ever attempt or even think about how many people would fit in a soap and bubble also, in 30 seconds. To be noted, you don't have a world record. And Stephen Langley's got six. Wow. So I think I think the relevant podcast is close. Like most podcast hours recorded. Oh. Released. Maybe. I mean, ten years, it's a couple hours a week. Into. I mean yeah. man, what two thousand five. This is nineteen, man. This yeah. is fourteen oh, yeah. years. We're coming what, up on fourteen. What could be more? I mean I think Joe like, Rogan probably Probably has yeah, it. Joe goes, Rogan probably has more hours because yeah. that guy oh, has yeah. a long he just shows. Four hours every day. Yeah, yeah four hours movie. a clip. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, I'm out then. Yeah. I have no idea. But most of it is sitting is him sitting there. Go, Jamie. Can you find that clip? Yeah. Listen, well, there's a clip of this guy. <laughs> there's a clip of this guy that walked away from a car accident after he oh, hit man. five deer. Can you, Jamie, pull up the clip? And then we're gonna <laughs> sit here silently while I watch YouTube. So funny to me because they're like video games, meat mail to your front door. <laughs> That is true. All his dude ads. Yeah. Listen, I'm going to talk to you about barely legal testosterone that I'm synthetically manufactured that I'm buying. Exactly. Are you trying to Are you trying to be a better bow hunter? Okay. I have just the product for you. Like that's literally. Those companies are not calling. That sounds fun with Annie F Downs. Not once. No one's asking me to tell everybody that you can get meat mailed right to your door. The freshest red meat. Yeah. Although you know it would be good. My people would love it. Yeah, Your people today's episode is brought to you by Brain Juice. I'm jacked on this stuff, uh, whether I'm training, whether I'm watching videos with Jamie, whether I'm getting free for UFC fight night, or cutting the sleeves off my affliction tees. Brain Juice. <laughs> Offer code Rogan. We just made him so much money. I know. All right, what do you have, Eddie? Um, okay, as we are in this Lenten season and we prepare for Easter, what are you guys? How are you guys feeling about Easter? Are you ready for it? When you when you think of Easter, when, when what, is it? I don't even know. Oh my gosh, it's ne- it's like only a week away. A week yeah, and I think away. this Sunday's Palm Sunday, right? Yeah, it's yeah. Palm Sunday. <gasps> yeah, I love I'm reading Holy at week. church, you guys. <laughs> You're oh, what? Wow. You're reading? I'm reading? Yes, on I've, Palm Sunday. Uh, yeah, I go to like a very small Anglican church and I love yeah. it, but like everybody has to volunteer. And so there's like me and six other people doing some special scripture reading thing. Oh, that's so cool. there you go. I love it. Okay, what are you I doing in Palm Sunday. Sunday? Anything? I'm preaching. Uh, I am hosting at our church. So I'm doing kind of the intro, outro, spiritual direction kind of part. Annie, I beg you to let me do that with you some week. That okay. used to be my job at my old church, and yeah. it is my wheelhouse. I was love very good it. at it. It's so church fun. I'm seeing is the best. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll I tell you what it. I think of Eddie. I think of uh, pastels. Uh, I think cool. of my pink polo tucked into my yellow khakis and Sperry <laughs> dockside <laughs> sliders oh. that I'm wearing to church. Yeah, people are going to break out that seer sucker. I'm ready for oh, yeah. it. Oh yeah. Well, according to Jesse's first slice, what most people are thinking of with Easter is candy. Yeah. So as we uh, as we look at Easter candy, a definitive list of the ten worst Easter candies have come out. Normally, I, I shy away a little bit from these kind of lists unless there's hard science, but. 
Candystore.com. Got to be one of the best. Seems like hard science. Who's going to know more than Candystore.com? There, yeah, I, I think it was co-branded with like uh, Harvard. Candystore.com <laughs> surveyed 23,000 people. So oh, this wow. is statistically significant. That's a yeah. massive, yeah. yeah. Of the 10 worst Easter candies. We all know, of course, let's just give away the punchline. The number one worst Easter candy Don't is... Don't say Cadbury 100%. It's the worst. Peeps. That's Peeps. my favorite. Peeps. Okay. Did you... Okay. In, in, 19, in 2005... No, 2015, they changed chocolate. Did that matter to you? No, you still love eggs are delicious. Can I tell a quick story about Cadbury eggs? We can't stop you. When when I was in when I was in college, (laughs) I had a friend down the hall. He's a little older. He worked in he worked at like a Rite Aid or something, you know, and I went into his room one time and he had literally a yard bag. You know, those yard bags, they're not just a garbage bag. I'm talking a yard bag, like the clear ones that are meant to handle, you know, 15 pounds of leaves. I'm really filled to the brim. Filled to the brim with Cadbury eggs. Wow. Oh he said the right aid. He, steal he, said, he said the right aid after Easter way overordered Cadbury way. eggs and they're throwing <laughs> them out. But like significantly overestimated the demand for Cadbury eggs this uh, <laughs> during the Easter season. And he's like, they were either throw them out or they said I could have them. I ate I probably ate seven or eight Cadbury eggs a day for that semester. And it was oh, amazing. It was amazing. Awesome. I loved it. I still crave them. I still crave them because of that. I love them. I know. Disgusting. Number 10 is fluffy stuff. Cotton tails. It's basically like cotton candy. No. Yeah, I don't no. even know it. Don't Number know. nine, Jordan almonds. You ever had these things? Oh, no. yeah, they're great. At weddings yeah. and stuff. Sure. Yeah. I'm surprised at how many of these I liked. Uh, number eight, carrot cake, Hershey kisses. No. Number seven, I don't know if it tastes bad or if it's just the most messed up, but chocolate crosses. Like, yeah, but it's kind of like, I'm looking at a picture of it and it's like not just a cross, but like a full crucifix. You, you, know, who's, oh, no. you, know, you know who's probably buying and eating those, those godless yeah. Gen Zers. Mm. They're probably like, <laughs> sorry. <them. laughs> yeah. They left, they left religion behind a long time ago. Generic <laughs> jelly beans are on the list. Bunny corn, which is like candy corn reimagined with bunnies. Peeps came in at number three. The Listen, solid can choc- we talk about Peeps for just a second? Because y'all remember their contest. Yes. That there was a contest to go visit the Peeps factory. Oh, yeah. I entered a few times. The contest, clo- the contest closed yesterday. I've still got my fingers crossed that we're going to get to go, you oh, guys. No. Annie, I really hope you do. Um, <laughs> we all will. So- that's pretty much the whole slice. Uh, the only thing that I will say that was interesting is that among the top 10 favorite, there is only one repeat. What do you think it was? Well, there, was one, there was one candy. On, there was one candy on both lists. Oh, oh best and the best. Worst. Oh, best yes. and the worst. A polarizing Peeps. candy. Peeps. Yeah. Cadbury eggs. Oh. Made both lists. So yeah, people really did. love and really hate these things. Yeah. I will say the Cadbury mini eggs made number one on the most favorite. Have you ever had these things? Yeah, oh, yeah. 100%. The crunchy, the little robin egg the shells. Crunchy, yeah, yeah. Oh. Not the robin eggs. The robin eggs are different than the little oh. Cadbury eggs. That's true. But the little you, Cadbury eggs. But the little Cadbury eggs. You're right, Jesse. You're still right. And, I know and I'm going to leave you with a hot Easter tip. Take those little Cadbury mini eggs. Put them in the microwave for two seconds. Then eat them. They turn into just like a soft, gooey center. It's I mean, just like, put them in your mouth for two seconds. Why do you have to microwave just, it? Just put them in your mouth. You have to seconds. shoot down my idea before you've tried it because it's the best idea you've never tried. I don't think my microwave works for two seconds. I don't you think it has time type, to heat up and cool down. Type Anyhow, two. That's ISIS. <laughs> yeah, just hit two. <laughs> or, or hit two minutes and just stand there and push start stop. No, that's gonna, all I I'm do. I'm going to hit two seconds and then my microwave is going to open the door back to me and say, we don't do that. 
That's what's gonna happen. Yes, we won't do like a real snobby bougie microwave. Yeah, yeah, my microwave's like, who do you think you are? Wait, are you putting candy in here for two seconds? Close my door right now. Close my door and don't come back till you have a better idea. Close your door and think about your life choices. Oh man. All right, that'll do it for slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Social Club Misfits joins us. Drifting in the street like it's Tokyo. Bow wow challenge rappers line like Pinocchio. Yeah, dancing in the club do the electric slide. If you hate on Social Club, then you dead inside. I want to thank you for listening to the relevant podcast this week. If you like the show, check out the other shows that we've recently launched. Uh, wherever you get your podcasts, check out our daily recap of what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture. It's about a 10 minute show every weekday. It's called Relevant Daily. Search for Relevant Daily wherever you get your podcast. Uh, it'll keep you in the know. It'll keep your finger on the pulse. Quick in and out. I think you'll like it. Also, check out Unedited with Cameron Strang, me. It's my long form conversation podcast with uh, people that I'm fascinated with. Right now, our brand new episode is with Abner Ramirez from Johnny Swim. It's getting a lot of... <laughs> feedback uh it's a fascinating conversation definitely check it out instagram i responded with flex but okay fam yeah caught a bird that was god's will please don't call my phone my voice smell is full uh, used to pick the phone up now i seldom do unless it's mama with them babies can i let you through you're listening yeah, to our next guest it's social club misfits the song is chinatown freestyle it's from their new ep which you're about to hear about Social Club Misfits just released a brand new EP called Mood, which serves as one half of their upcoming album, which explores the full spectrum of a relationship with God, from good seasons to ones of struggle and difficulty. We recently spoke with the rap duo, uh, which is made up of Fern and Marty Marr, about the vision behind the new project and how they hope it will impact listeners. I'm a huge fan of Social Club Misfits, and I love this EP. Jesse, you talk to them. Uh, Tell us about it. Yeah, it was really cool to kind of hear their their heart behind the album because they actually had a full album complete that they decided this isn't what we want to do. We want to do something that's more transparent and really is kind of vulnerable and open about the good side and also the bad side of a relationship um, with God. And so I wanted I asked them about that, why they wanted to do something that represents that spectrum. And here's what they said. Oh, we want to be able to, with this next project is create a full spectrum of a high and low of any relationship. So mood speaks into that season of like, you know, you're in the mountaintop, you're, you're at the, you're at the valley or you're in the in-between and no matter where you are, God will meet you in that season that you're in. One thing that they, they had talked about is, you know, the reason the kind of the inspiration for this album to talk about the high and also talk about the lows was they were looking at their own career. You know, they've had a couple of successful albums. Um, they've gotten, you know, success on mainstream charts. You know, you know, they were on, you know, the Breakfast Club, but they're also were blowing up in kind of like more traditional Christian music scenes. And they won this Dove Award, which to them was a really big deal because it kind of showed that that they had crossover success and kind of credibility. Um, but right after they, right after that happened, like a bunch of stuff started falling through for them. Uh, their A&R person uh, uh, left. They got uh, a couple tours that they were planning on uh, going on, fell through. And it kind of caused them to re-examine their motivations, which were really kind of centered around some of these big, um, you know, so, you know, typical success metrics. And so here's, here's what they said about kind of reexamining that. 
it was almost like coming to a crossroads of saying, hey, you know, piggybacking off the dub situation, like, you know, you would think that that would change a conversation just on paper. But then you come to a crossroads after winning some accolades, after getting on some lists, after getting a couple awards here and there, where uh, you have to think, is this are you doing it for awards? Are you doing it for accolades? Yeah. Or is this really a passion in your heart? Is something burning in your heart for these kids, for these people who are saying they're being yeah. touched by these songs? Me and Martin had to stare at each other and say, hey, man, is it is this what we're doing and why are we doing it? But we said, you know what? We know why we're doing it for. And, and you know, the Lord really spoke into us in that season. I lost three family members. Martin had an aunt going through cancer at the time. The the, uh, the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas shooting had just happened. He, that's his alma mater. There was a lot of different things that were going on, kind of trying to shake our position. Um, but as you see us being on this telephone, uh, they weren't able to shake us. And we were able to just stand back up on our two feet and realize that, you know, we're a voice. And, you know, our voice you know, transcends farther than just rap music. We were looking at the songs we were making. We're like, you know what? We need to worship here. We need to touch here. We need to speak on this here. And, uh, and you know what we did and we stood firm in that and we, in our creative process, it was a little bit different than normal, but we weren't scared of that. We weren't scared to stretch out a bit and to kind of just, you know, you know, do things differently. Mm. It, it was one thing about talking to them, and I've got to, I've had the opportunity to talk to Fern and Marty a couple times uh, over the years. Is like, man, those guys are really passionate, not just about their artistry and their music. They really have a heart for making an impact, and you know, they, and that's why they do what they do. And so, I, so that was something I kind of wanted to talk address directly with them about their calling, because I think it's easy in, in any industry, but particularly in, you know, something in the entertainment industry to look at mm. uh, outward signs of success and accolades and really put value in them. But they really, you know, in their from their perspective, their calling is bigger than any of that. And here, here's what they said. A lot of times we see kids that come up to us and say, hey, man, and they'll be shaking. They'll have cuts on their arms. I mean, all types of different scenarios we've seen. And we know that it's way bigger than us. And that's why this new this new work that we're about to put out and the second one that's going to come out after that is just dealing with all the tones and emotions that we went through to that season. But also it'll show perseverance and victory of us standing firm and working our way through it, trusting God. Yeah, it, it it was, like I said, just refreshing to hear people with that perspective that, you know, I know, you know, obviously, Annie, you're someone who, uh, you know, is uh, is on a public stage a lot and gets to interact with a lot of people kind of in that world. And I'm sure I'm interested in your perspective on, you know, kind of seeking that outward kind of measures of success, but also kind of keeping the perspective like even one life, you know, that's impacted matters. Yeah. You know, I actually don't abide by the if one life is impacted, it matters thing. Mm. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah. I think the the work that we're called to do, if we weren't called to do it from... It, it, because we're called to do it from stages, it's got to be for more than one person. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so if if it's only one person, it, it, it I would do that work if God asked me to do it for one person. I think it's because it's from stages, it's not just for one person. I think that perspective is really important. It's one of the reasons I take an assistant with me everywhere is because someone else seeing everything helps me keep perspective on, man, did you, do you remember that story that woman told you? Or yeah. do you remember what that guy said when he walked up? Like, that's incredible. Like God is doing amazing things in that person's life. And, and so my friends who travel with me help me remember those, those stories 
and those those one moments that really matter. And but but I also love the moments on stage when you look out and you see a lot of people having a similar experience. Or it's it's the same with worship. If bands if worship bands were going to churches just for one person. That'd be ridiculous. Yeah, and I and I don't want to like misrepresent what they say because I guess it's not you know just for one person, but not forgetting the one person, not forgetting yeah, the right. individual stories that are impacted. And that actually that's leads right. really well to the next clip because they kind of they I don't want to say they necessarily lost that perspective, but they recently had an interesting reminder of it. It was after a show, and the show hadn't gone really hadn't gone great because there was issues with the promoter, and it just wasn't like a great night. Um, and they actually had an interaction with a fan. Um, who came to them with his two kids and was dealing with a really difficult marriage situation and was trying to reconcile with his wife and had and had told them personally how much their music meant to him during this season. Um, and it really was a refresher, just like that perspective, Annie, of like, yeah, there's yeah. a sea of crowds, but each one of those has a story. Here's That's what they right. had to say about that interaction. It's almost like every doubt that we had, God was like, I see what you're going through you're going to be fine. And I feel like that really speaks in the mood, you know, even in the season where you feel like you're doing the best of the season, you're doing the worst. We have an ever present God who's mm. always there and always fighting for you and not forgetting you and still knows you by name and still knows your dreams and still has created you with a purpose and a plan. And so that, that for me was just that weekend, just even thinking about it really, like it kind of humbled us heavily and it made us like, Thank you. Thank you, God, for reminding us that you're still good. Yeah. It's, and that was just from one, you know, kind of private interaction. That's kind of but that's that's why this this project is so cool, because it does talk about the highs and the lows, the light and the dark. You know, it's not all mountaintops. There's a lot of valleys and it's not about necessarily even where you are in the process. It's how you're willing to navigate both of those. So definitely people need to check out Mood. It's killer. There's I, I there is some fun tracks on it, but it's it's killer and the next EP will be coming out in a few months too. It's always great to talk to the social club guys. There you go. Check it out. The new EP is called Mood. It is out now. Stay tuned up next. Prop and Jamie Torkowski join us to talk about Today's episode is also brought to you by Plant With Purpose. These people talk about taking care of the planet like it's a sacred calling. Because when we steward the earth, people thrive. And that's how we catch God's vision or when he called creation good. If we're not taking care of the planet, people suffer from poverty, hunger, climate change, and deforestation. This is a no-brainer. With your $22 a month, that's like a trip and a half to Chili's for Chandler. Plant with Purpose funds sustainable agriculture and deforestation reversal efforts in communities hit hardest by environmental challenges. Restoring the planet is one of the most effective ways to end poverty, and helping people is one of the most effective ways to protect the environment. So for just $22 a month, you can plant a small forest of empowerment. Learn more at plantwithpurpose.org slash relevant. You're listening to Cage the Elephant and Beck. Song is Night Running. Okay. Normally here is where we do our listener feedback, our listener week, whatever. But you guys have been hitting us up all week about the the little uh 
the Instagram account that's taken our little bubble, our subculture bubble by storm. It's called <laughs> Preachers and Sneakers. And uh, what the point of it is, uh, uh, this guy started posting photos of, you know, various uh, younger preachers, you know, like Chad Veach and John Gray. And there's a bunch of them. You can they're check not that it out. young. Yeah, and, uh, and, and 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 they're These are wearing grown like men, Cameron. yeah, that's yeah, true. yeah, that's grown right. men, right? And and they're wearing you know flashy sneakers or whatever, or track pants or whatever. And then he'll zoom in on the item of clothing, and then he'll go to like StockX or a resale site and like show the street value or the resale value of the item because they are sometimes egregious. And um, it started out about a week ago, and. People were tweeting it around and talking about it, and it stirred up a big conversation about, uh, you know, materialism, about uh, apparel, about uh, you know the cost of all this stuff, and what it says from the pulpit. We've been watching the conversation. Obviously, we're pretty connected to it, and we wanted to bring it up in a more thoughtful way here on the show because um, there's a lot of nuance to it, obviously, and it's something worth addressing. So we want to bring a couple of our friends on who have been in this conversation. Number one, I saw a tweet by Prop last night that I want to read, um, and it Uh-oh. said... Oh, what? No, it's good. <laughs> it was late last That's night. That's we brought you here, words. Prop. We're just going to start Prop. reading your tweets. It was one of those late night tweets. Prop, <laughs> okay. Prop posted two things. He said, one of the most hurtful things for me as a public speaker is when my motives are assumed to be something they're not, when people think the worst of me based on the little they know, which is why I ain't on the pastor's shoe game thing. Then he said, now, if you want to run a critique about consumerism and idolatrous relationship with capitalism, I'm here for that, but miss me with the shaming accounts. Mm. And then on the oh, others, okay. and then uh, also, I, I've been you watching that, the, You hear that, Amy? You know what I'm saying? I like it. But then I saw, uh, you know, our, our friend Jamie Torkowski. Welcome, Jamie, by the way. Hi. Um, has nope. been in the comments. <laughs> he's been Jamie, in there. And he's been, man. And he's been, he's been screenshotting his comments and posting his comments. And he's just like, he rolled up his sleeves and just jumped in the mud with everybody. And so we just thought it'd be fun to have Jamie and prop on. Annie called me a week ago at 11 o'clock at night and saying, did I you did. see this account? And we talked for an hour about it because this is a conversation that needs to be had. And so we figured we'd bring it up today. Welcome guys. Um, so I also knew you'd be watching Real Housewives of Atlanta, so I knew it was a safe time to call. Yeah. I knew you weren't busy. Uh, <laughs> okay, first of all, you said, I'm sorry for interrupting Real Housewives, and I told you it happened to be Atlanta that I was watching at that time. But anyways. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Out. I knew the timing was safe. We have a good friendship at about 10 p.m. Hanging out with my Gucci that gang, watching Real Housewives. <laughs> <laughs> I think this disqualifies you. This. Yeah, this so, disqualifies uh, you for the conversation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, Jamie, you know, I tell, I told Jesse, I was like, Jamie's, Jamie's a sneakerhead. When, ja- when Jamie and I go to any basketball game, this has been for years. You yeah. know, I'll notice shoes from time to time. I enjoy Nikes. I have a lot of Nikes, uh, but. Jamie literally watches, looks at, and comments on the shoes of every player on the court. Like, literally, is like, oh, look, Wes Wendo is rocking the so and so's. And I'm like, okay, they're, they're fluorescent. That's all I noticed, you know? And uh, so Jamie's in it. So I thought it was interesting, Jamie, when you jumped in on this. Um, tell, tell us your thoughts about this account and kind of your experience, because you've even been talking to the guy who's behind the account. Yeah. Well, I, a couple of things come to mind. First off, I feel exhausted from spending the last three days in there. (laughs) Um, And man, I feel like when I stumbled upon it, it, it just gave a voice to something that I've 
this is something that has bothered me for the last few years. And it was like, wow, somebody is talking about this. And I've, there's been too many comments, too many debates. I feel a little better about a couple longer posts that I shared on my own page, but I just think it's incredibly confusing and at times offensive, especially for people who struggle financially when these pastors whose job, as I understand it, is to point people to Jesus who had plenty to say about pride and money and power and humility and treasures. It's just incredibly confusing if the guy is wearing Gucci or if the guy is wearing a $1,500 outfit. Uh, and it took me a couple of days to be willing, I think, to put myself in the boat with them and to just kind of say, hey, maybe there's a deeper conversation about motivation and insecurity and vulnerability and why do we do what we do? Why do we own what we own? So I feel like I fumbled my way through it, but I, it, it feels healthy to kind of land there or it feels healthier to just say, we all get to wrestle with, why do I own what I own? Why do I wear what I wear? Uh, who am I trying to impress? Jamie's post that you just referenced, I'm going to read it since I read Prop's tweet that uh, that caught my eye. He said, um, I, this is a comment he put in the feed, and then he just uh, reposted it as well on his own feed. And it said, I'm saying it's gone too far. These dudes are examples to hundreds of thousands of people. The most influential group of young pastors in America shouldn't be, ju- shouldn't be another exclusive cool kids table. The clothes yeah. highlighted on this account double as trophies. These dudes want to be rock stars while supposedly pointing people to a Jesus who had plenty to say about money, pride, humility, etc. In short, a pastor in Gucci is offensive and confusing to a person who isn't sure they can pay for lunch, especially when that pastor got his Gucci status by representing Jesus. And, and what I thought was interesting about what you said, which is a very harsh critique, critique, uh, and then contrasting it with what Prop said about saying a lot of times, you know, we're making big judgments about people, you know, based on misinformation, you know, uh, uh, our own bias or our own perspective. I thought it was an interesting thing just to see the two sides of it. And that's why I think this is such a hard conversation because there are people who see this as black and white. I mean, literally like there's a line and it, this is over that line. I mean, but if you go back to Jesse and I were talking about this, there's a reason why Catholic priests wear black black clothes, black robes. There's a reason why they were, uh, you know, committed to celibacy because back in the medieval times, if a priest or, uh, got married to a family of means or power, it would compromise the gospel. So they said, we don't want the proprietary of material power or, or, or wealth associated with the ministry. So you need to stay single. And then you need to address this way so there's nothing that distracts people from Jesus. That's the extreme on one side of it. And on the other side, you have like, you know, prosperity gospel preachers with jets. And so it's kind of like, where's the right model here? Because I think it's societal. I think there's cultural bias. I think, I mean, prop, you know, your perspective is different than Jamie's, which is different than the guys who are on stage, which I don't know. I don't know what the right answer is here. And I would love to hear what y'all think about all this. But see, here's the thing. My perspective is actually not different from Jamie's in this sense is if what he's saying is, in fact, what's going on in the hearts of these people. And I want to make sure that, like, we humanize the people we talking about. And I think that that's part of the problem. We've created characters out of celebrity, which has more to do with our own hearts. You know what I'm saying? So I want to remember that, like. These aren't like we 
Like I have these guys, some of these guys have their phone numbers. Like these are yeah. dads, you know what I'm saying? Right. Um, so I want to remember that I'm talking about people, right? So that's number one. And then number two, I'm saying in the part that I agree with him is, in, is if in fact that's what's going on, if they are commingling funds, if you are spending, you know, church money to buy clothes for the purpose of a flex or the purpose of a stunt to create a cool kid's table. And I'm like, you're absolutely correct. I'm just saying I can't discern that from this account in the sense that because if that's the case, I'm guilty of the same thing. Every time I show up with a cup of coffee, my single origin Yerga chef, you know, Geisha, that was a $12 cup of coffee. Yeah, that's not $1,500. You understand what I'm saying? But it's $12. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, so we can't just say because the ticket price is so much bigger, I might struggle. I might have the same sin. It's just happening with $12 rather than with $1,200. So, yeah, I have a question. So we're talking about, so there's two lanes here, in my opinion, the lane of did they spend the money on and, you know, these things for status. The reality of, I would say probably three quarters of the people on the account I know personally and yeah. I know that they, because I've talked to them about it, they didn't buy those items. They were gifted those items either by the company or by a friend and, and they didn't buy them. Now they are wearing them. So the question is, you know, is it a dollar amount thing that we're, that is offensive? Like if you can buy Nikes for 90 bucks on sale, it's okay. But if you buy them for 250, it's not. Are we talking about a dollar amount thing? Or are we talking about what the item or the impact that the item has on the congregation or the people looking, yeah, be, you know, that's, well, yeah, be, we go, just say because at, at, at what extent is perception reality? Right. And like at what, ex- yeah. to, to what extent is, it doesn't really matter if it's gifted or if it was bought, you know, like on a discount or, 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 or whatever. At, at what point is it that, you know, from the pulpit and to an extent as all believers, you know, are a lot of times people won't be able to get to know us personally. And Annie, it's like what you were saying about earlier. A lot of people, the fact is a lot of people that have a public platform, the only way most people are going to interact with you is how you present yourself on that platform. So at, at what point does, you know, does fighting a perception of, um, you know, this kind of like expensive, appareled exclusiveness actually create a perception that it doesn't really matter what the reality is because the perception is counter to one that should be pursued. Mm-hmm. But, but I think there's something, there's a couple of things here. Like first, there's something a little bit that we have to appreciate that it may like these pastors are in a different place in the yeah. United States where different things matter. Like most of us who are like mainly on this show are all like in the South it, where housing prices are totally affordable. It's just a different kind of world. And I'm not saying it's better or worse, but I'm saying the idea of buying a pair of $500 shoes in like, I don't know, Los Angeles may be different than in Orlando. Like, I think that there's got to be some, I guess prop is on this. He could say that, but like, yeah, there's got to be some like room for there's just a different culture, right? Yeah. That's what I was going to say too. It's like the flex is not always what you think it is in the sense that I live in a coast, I live in, you know, 10 miles from Hollywood and, and without over spiritualizing, there's a reality of like, as an artist and as a believer, there are certain things that just like 
if God has just given me this mission field in the sense that like, I don't know if I asked for it. I'm just in this room. Some there are signals in the same way that if somebody's going to be missional, you go into German, you better speak German. You know, you go into Germany, you better speak German. You, right. you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, if you, I found that like that celebrity world, this high, that high type, you know, the, the, the A-list world, there's certain things that you just not going to get in the room. You know what I'm saying? If, if like, it, I, there's like, there's rooms I can't get in because I don't wear watches. You know what I'm saying? There's like a whole code about what watch you got and, you know what I'm saying? So I just think that like like you said, there are things that like people are willing to spend their money on that just may not be one or two. Most of us and even like even in the L.A. thing, it's like a lot of us have really small houses because you're never inside. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So when I walk into the South, I'm like, what you got seven rooms for? Like, this is so <laughs> gaudy. Like, what are you doing? You understand what I'm saying? Right. So it's like the flex just shows up differently, I, I which again, the bigger conversation is one thing. Are I'm they just actually saying, flexing? Yeah. yeah. I'm just yeah, saying, right, how Pop. you going to discern that from an Instagram post that's clearly oh. designed? I'm like, you're, you're trying to shame them. Right. You're not right. trying to have a conversation. I, I, you're trying to I, shame them. Right? Lo- loafers right. with feathers hanging off that are connected with a gold ring and a tiger <laughs> and a Gucci tiger. And <laughs> on look it it does seem like a flex. <laughs> like, that guy loves being on this. He loved being on it. He was waiting for it. They look ridiculous. <laughs> like those are ridiculous shoes. You know just, what I'm just admit, well, yeah, I heard that one was a joke. Those are objectively <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> but like, I feel like I would want to personally like chat. Like if I was like Rich Wilkinson's friend, be like, "Hey, are you doing okay? Like, let's talk about this." But like, but you know what I mean? Like, I think it's worth having the conversation. The problem to me with this is the public shaming piece to it. Yeah, because like, like every it, it's like. If let's say worst case scenario, they're they're using the church budget to yeah. create a clothing budget and they are spending a thousand dollars out of a single mom's tithe to buy those shoes. Right. That's our worst case scenario. It's shocking. Right. And by the way, a lot of your pastors have church clothing budgets, even if you think they don't <laughs> like there are little <laughs> tiny churches in Orlando that I know about where there is a clothing budget so that the church and the pastor can look cool. So, like, don't think I, this well, is hold ju- on. you're even so the pastor can look cool is even a bit of a shaming language. It's not so the pastor can look cool so that he has stage clothes Close. so that he looks appropriate as a teacher. This pastor wants to look cool, but yes, I know what you're saying and you're right. So like, well, don't come on here and have an anti-shaming conversation when you're using shaming yeah, but language. Is, the, is it shaming no, just to point. like show pictures that of people that they reposted from their own Instagrams? Like, is that shame? Like, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Is, is, I mean, yeah, you're right. You're right. And in the sense that, like, in the, I mean, Pop, pre- do you have a clothing budget? I have a clothing budget for stage clothes. I absolutely do. Yeah. Now, granted, people would say I'm not a pastor. Right, right, right. No one's tithing the, into yeah, my clothing budget. Yeah, nobody's tithing budget. into, into my clothing budget. So that's yeah. what I'm saying. So what I'm saying is you can't discern that from this in right. the sense that a person puts up something on their Instagram. Of course, you're open to critique. But the part that bothers me, the part that I like, I related to is, of course, it's like, I, I personally, yeah, I don't see any purpose. I'm not a sneakerhead. So it's like I spend my money different ways. There are 17 bags of coffee that I'll never finish in my house right now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I, I spend money other ways. But what the thing to me is that um, you, 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 if you do it in a way that, that the person, there's enough ambiguity to be like, 
I don't, what do you mean shaming? I'm just, they put this on the thing. You could draw your own conclusion. These are just the prices. Who knows what they're doing? I don't, you mad, bro? Why are you mad? You put it. So to me, it's like that. Cause I, I guess, cause I've been the victim of that to where you could just kind of just, I'm just saying, that's just what you said. So draw your own. I'm just like, man, look, okay. If you want to have this conversation, like, Come up, from, come up from behind this like anonymous gram and just say right. something. You understand what I'm saying? Just speak up then. If you want to talk about it, talk about it. You understand what I'm saying? To me, that to me, that's the part that's bothersome. It's not so much the bigger conversation, which of course should absolutely happen. And I'm like, and how all of us got blood on our hands. Just this idea of just this consumerism, the celebrity. Like we, it's us calling them celebrities. Yeah. Not them. They they not calling themselves celebrities. We calling them celebrities. You understand what I'm saying? And we made them that. You know, these people got TV shows. You do did nobody who told them to get TV shows? Somebody offered it to them. So what I'm saying is like we made them celebrities. Like we can't be mad at them at what we made them. You know, so to me, it's like that's the conversation. But I would, that's a good, I would add that. Yeah, Jamie, that's I was gonna ask you, Jamie. You've talked to the guy, right? So what is his anonymous thing? Oh, I mean, he he, he said he made this account half joking for him and his buddies. Like he had no oh, idea. Funny. I mean, the, <laughs> the today show, like, I take it all back the today, <laughs> like he's been invited on the today show. He's, this is blowing his mind. Um, I actually think he's handled it really well. And I actually respect his desire. Obviously if he goes on the today show, he won't be anonymous, but uh, I don't blame him. The thing I was going to add to props point is, my take is most of these guys, like, I understand that you can't, it's, it's tricky to make a judgment on one, but most of these guys, when you go to their account, it does feel like they are fueling the celebrity. It's all them. It's almost always designer clothes. It's videos with text. It's sexy design. Like I totally agree with that. They're fueling this as well. And there's a part of me that thinks we're meeting them where they are and we're playing their game. These guys love attention. They love Instagram. And I actually think it's brilliant that we're reposting or that someone is reposting their photos. Like this doesn't require detectives. It's like just shining a light on the reality of this is what you're wearing on stage and this is how much it costs. And the one other point is I understand that it's messy. I understand that people take it too far. I understand the shaming question but I don't know another way that this conversation would be happening on the level it's happening without this account. And that's the part I love. Yeah. I agree. That's a good point. But won't, I mean, won't they sort themselves out? Like if they're not for real, if this whole thing is just like some celebrity sham, like won't this, won't their pastoral role at some point be sorted out in a way other than an Instagram, like, like sh- moment like this, like I, f- I feel like if they're not for real, this like it, it that that will be revealed but, 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 somehow. But, but, but some I, I don't think anyone's accusing them of not being for real. I think they're, I think they, you know, I think it seems like part of the commentary is look how easily even people that are professional pastors and are have intimate knowledge of the gospel can, yeah. you know, um, present themselves in a way 
that may cause perceptions in culture that they might not want association with. I don't think, I think all of them sincerely believe the gospel and, and are passionate about, you know, reaching people. But I think, you know, I, I, I don't know if, if, you know, I think at some point people in with a public platform, it's easy to lose, lose a degree of self-awareness, um, especially yeah. when you're surrounded by, you know, people who, um, are, are followers or fans or, or things. And I think this is almost yeah. like, I think a, a way of kind of, uh, to show what public perception is for people that may not, you know, fully have the degree of yeah. self-awareness that maybe the they want to have because of their yeah. position. Yeah, I think that the bubble thing is a real thing. I mean, if, you know, one of the guys Absolutely. is pastoring in Hollywood and he's hanging out with very stylish people in Hollywood, he dresses like that. And in that context, it isn't flashy. It isn't his his outfit on stage isn't standing out from his congregation. It's just kind of part of that cultural context. And then somebody from another part of the country or world looks in and says, what? <laughs> you know, uh, you know, you lose that degree of self-awareness. I think this is interesting. Yeah. I think what's going to happen... I, you know, my two cents is that probably this is a blip on the radar, you know, I mean, like yeah. remember the Savior Barbie account and whatever, it just, it's a th- flavor of the week and, you know, whatever, but it's stirring up a conversation that it'll be interesting to see who is teachable, who yeah. is yeah. listening, who, who says, you know what, I don't want to cause somebody to stumble. I'm going to course correct a little bit here. You know, I okay, do. But in- also, I think the rest of us who are not featured on that account also need to learn from this. Yeah, yeah, A yeah. lot of what Prop no. is saying of like, hey, this was funny for a while. Also, yeah, I have been making some real assumptions about the hearts of these men. And yeah. I actually don't have a... I, Annie, F, I do not know a single one of those dudes placed up there. Yeah. And, but I have made some real assumptions before this account and thanks to this account. Yeah. And this is... I'm readjusting that and going like, man, I'm, I'm assuming a lot of flex when no flex has been necessarily set and 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 flex is relative like cameron was saying it's like i've been in some of these rooms with like like the super a-list where you walk in and it's like hey here's star here star here there's there's espresso over here on that table there's cocaine over there you want to go do a couple lines you know it's it's just like this world that you're in and it was wild yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> man, I'm telling you, man, those are pastors. They can snort. Boy. Uh, no, uh, but in the sense that, like, their outfits, some of these dudes' outfits, as as far as we're looking at, it, it's like I can't believe you spent that. Are like mid grade, you right. know, Marshalls outfits compared to some of the people they're standing in front of. Um, but I would say this, like me being someone, being the the West Coast representative in the group. Uh, my sort of like Hollywood antennas do perk up. I use them often just being from the city. You know, we see people, we've seen pastors come and go here. We've seen people say, God has called me to Hollywood. You know, oh, really? You know what I'm saying? And, and those lights can be very hypnotizing. And I feel like oftentimes I could smell it on somebody if I'm like, you like this a little too much. You know what I'm saying? And generally because of just maturity, I keep those cards to myself. But I've definitely sat in front of some pastors here and there where I've been like, I don't know, fam. I think you ain't going to last, bro. You like this too much, you know? Um, And this might just be, you know, these are just my antennas. It's just my spidey senses, but I can't. I can't, they haven't been wrong yet, you know what I'm saying? But right. uh, but they could be. So I want to grant that 
the possibility of of the worst is absolutely there. I just still feel like you just can't discern it from the Instagram account. But that's to Eddie's point earlier. I mean, it's like yeah. time will tell. The con- yeah. the the heart will be revealed. And and, yeah. and 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 my thing is like again, the oppor- this is an opportunity for for us, the larger you know, uh, American church, congr- you know, yeah. to, to talk about this and, and for leaders to, to choose to listen or not and, and, and them to think about it as well. And it really does, in my opinion, come down to a heart thing. It isn't, did he buy the shoes? Cause I'm telling you 99% of them are gifted. Did not. Yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> it's like, then the question is more the, uh, nuanced than just, did he waste the church's money? Because that's actually yeah. probably not happening the way that the assumption is. And so it's like, well, then it's a nuanced thing. It is a heart thing. It is a perception thing. What is it saying? And is it getting in yeah. the way of the gospel? That is a question. And so, you know, let's have that conversation. Let's wrestle with it. And it is an individual thing too. There's no line. I mean, there's no like, okay, well, pastors can spend up to $150 on their shoes. Because if you're wearing a suit yeah, and dress Jamie, shoes... I saw Jamie, you made a comment like that on Instagram. I was like, that's right. Like, I've loved seeing you, your work in that Instagram account, Jamie. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because like, I mean, suits cost money. And these guys are wearing jeans and t-shirts and they put their money into the sneakers. So it's like, you know, I mean, what I mean, yeah, like shut all of our Instagram accounts because the church in China, that's not allowed to exist. You understand what I'm saying? Like we're all flexing it. It's how you post the fact that you have an Instagram account is a flex. So I'm like, like, like calibrate. You feel me? Like this is a super first world discussion here. Right. You know what I'm saying? That you, you just, you just judging them because they in a higher group than yours, but there's a group under you that's looking at your accounts saying the same thing right and and in addition i feel like if there is actual like sin happening here like if the worst case scenario is happening and these people that are on the accounts are just recklessly spending poorly you know and just it is just clearly like sin on display i'm not saying it is but let's say it is like I would hate to be called out on my instagram like right because i've got my own stuff like 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 i'm overweight Okay, so clearly I'm living outside of God's best plan for what he hoped for my body. Right. So are people allowed to just like repost me on another account because like my sin is on display? Like I still wouldn't want that. So it's like I still you got to be careful, man, about like like shame. Like um, I feel like the the social media calling out of sin is a pretty dangerous thing because I don't know where it stops and it's hard to know how it helps. The plank in the eye thing, right? I mean, it's... it's I've never heard yeah, that. I, it, it, so no. <laughs> I think that's a good point too, but, I also, but again, like I also think accountability in, in ways that sometimes is funny or sometimes, you know... Is yeah, satire is a gift. Is, is reasonably. And I sure thought. I wonder how these guys are going to dress and, and, on Sunday. Like I certainly and, thought and, that. Oh, totally. oh, I would own it yeah. if I was. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't I change would the thing. Down. Yeah. I hope they're wearing. I hope they're carrying yeah, their other this. shoes in a clear yes. backpack. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a clear my twenty-four karat gold shoes. <laughs> yeah. Jamie, I know that you know you probably have a relationship with some of uh, some of these guys, or at least uh, you know have run into them here and there. What is and and you have I've seen like a lot of different takes from you kind of in the comments. What what do you think, you know, in terms of like the the ideal outcome of something like this, of having an impact on some of these individuals that do wield a ton of influence and culture? What do you kind of hope maybe the outcome would be in terms of how it would alter their possible perception? 
I actually don't know these guys. Uh, I know Cameron does, and, and he's shared that. I got a text out of the blue yesterday from Carl Lentz, and I'm going to talk to him today. And, and he's been nothing but kind to me, but we really don't know each other. And so I was I thought it was really cool that he cared enough to reach out. And obviously the conversation hasn't happened yet, but I plan to listen and, and hopefully he will. And, um, you know, even that alone is interesting when you have even a fraction of a relationship with someone, how it does change things. And, uh, but my hope is that it makes them think and that it makes all of us think. And like Cameron said, the course correction, I hope some guys will just think about how, you know, how these clothes and you could certainly expand it beyond clothes, but just how our behavior, how the things we own, how the things we post and show off make other people feel. Because to me, I think that's, what's getting lost here is it's less about how much money are they allowed to spend? And even where did the money come from? And just more, if someone is watching you online and they can't pay their rent and you're wearing a Gucci shirt talking about the teachings of Jesus, isn't that just incredibly confusing? And is it, we keep talking about rooms these guys are getting in and in a way everyone cheers for that. But I'm actually thinking about the person who feels like they can't get into any room and and the church just becomes another room that they can't get in. They can't fit in. They're not cool enough. So good. Yeah. Come on, Jamie Tworkowski. (laughs) I mean, boom, bang, pow. Seriously, man. That's the thing is like, what, does my lifestyle, how does it impact others? You know, do you all feel it, differently yeah. about just, the pictures that are reposted from their own accounts and the ones that are screenshot from them teaching? No, because okay. they, they wore, I mean, to me, they're wearing, they're wearing the clothes publicly to be seen. It's not like it is people what are it peeking is. in yeah. the windows of their homes. They're wearing those. Yeah. They're wearing them on stage with the intention of being seen by yeah. thousands of people. Yeah. Right. That's I, I feel know much more way. Was, yeah. yeah. I feel no, you with it. I I feel like along along with what Jamie is saying, because I have to think about it, too, as like I'm not a pastor, but I'm a public figure. So I think about it often, like times with my children, beautiful California sunset, you know, what I'm saying and all these things that like, am I you're right. Am I presenting a world that's inaccessible to others? Right. So like having so with that like i feel one way about what you're wearing on stage which is like yo this is my sunday's best you know what i mean we've been given these things this is amazing and then the other way if i feel like if some of these dudes are posting pictures of their home and inside of their home where it like yo that that looks like a photo shoot fam like in that sense to me that kind of makes me cringe a little more towards what Jamie is saying where I'm like, man, you at the park, bro. You at the park in these Harachis. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, come on fam. Like really you got a Gucci belt while you're pushing your gorgeous children on a swing and your wife's hair is <laughs> flipping in the hair. Like, come on, bro. Like to me, it's like now you're presenting a world that I'm like, okay, fam, like I need you to be a little more self-aware. You know what I'm saying? So to me that, that I get that same sort of reflexive like response that Jamie would get not from the stage stuff, but more the like Same. you showing me too. this background world. And I'm like, your background world is like for real, homie, man, that's a nice, that's a nice Basquiat painting you got in your house. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's interesting. Like I said, yeah. it's nuanced and it's tough, Yeah, but that, that really is the, the question for all of us in our individual lives too. Like what, what are we projecting? What are we, you know, what is the impact that we have in our worlds? Are we pointing people to Christ? 
Are we loving selflessly? Are we loving intentionally? Are we living in a way that we believe whatever our conviction is and our context is, you know, uplifts the gospel and, and points people to Jesus? I mean, whether you're on stage or you're just, you know, in your small town, you know, what kind of impact are you having? And yeah. what do people, you know, you're what kind on of, a stage. Right. everywhere you are. If you have an Instagram yeah. account, if you're out in public, you're on a stage. Right. It yeah. just may not have a microphone on your face. Yeah. Right. And so like, to me, that's the wake up call. Like I read, I watch that and I'm like, well, I can't identify with that or I, I don't have those sneakers or whatever, but like, yeah, it's like a reality check for ever for all of us that like, yeah. okay, in our individual lives, what are we doing or are we guilty as well? You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I, I pray for these guys. Like, like the Bible says to pray for our leaders and our, you know, government leaders and stuff. I pray yeah. for our church leaders. Like I, you know, relevant's been around 19 years now. And I kind of had this thing. I came up under the prosperity gospel, you know, watching the televangelists and the flashy and the mm-hmm. mini hens and all that stuff. And I'm just like, that just doesn't, that doesn't play in the four corners of the globe. That gospel, something's off. You know what I mean? Like it just yeah, doesn't, yeah. that me centered on what, what I'm going to get from God kind of message doesn't, doesn't play. Yeah. That doesn't check out to me. And and I'm like, well, this generation will be different. And and by and large, it is. It's like, I mean, the values of this generation of living intentionally and selflessly and outwardly, and it's not about what I can get from God, but it's what God can use me to do. That is true. There is a, 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 a kind of a shift in the church. But I'm wondering, as Annie and I talked last week, is I'm like, I'm wondering, like, is this just our version of the flashy suits? Yeah. You know, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. It's like now having said that, it's the Check same. out these single run. That's what I'm saying. saying. That's what I'm saying. So, like, so my assumption, I mean, prop, I mean, I'm going to go back to it three, four years ago. You and I spoke when there, when there was a lot of like racial violence going on in America and the Black Lives Matter conversation was front and center. You came on the podcast and I, you let me ask you stupid white guy questions. And I, Absolutely. and I told you that I was ignorant to the reality of what was going on because I assumed we were a post-racism generation. I assumed yeah. that like, oh, white kids grew up on hip hop. There's not the division that the older generations had. You know what I mean? And here I yeah. was confronted with the reality of my ignorance that that is not true, that the racism is as deeply rooted in this generation as in previous ones. And and I, I, I was wrong. And I'm wondering that my assumption about the prosperity gospel, like, oh, no, 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 this generation, different values, it's not the same thing. And then this account kind of holds up a mirror and I'm going, maybe I was wrong. It's just a different style, yeah. you know? And like, maybe this is a reality check that we need to have collectively yeah. about this generation of believers saying, huh, have we repeated the mistakes of our forefathers or our parents and didn't even realize it because it's a different style? It's more casual. Yeah, we can't help. We can't help but swim in the ocean that we're in. We're in an ocean of consumerism and capitalism. This is just our ocean. So in my mind, it's like that. Now, that's the question. Let's let's talk about this waters we're in. Right. And I feel like I don't know anybody ready to talk about that yet, though, that like maybe maybe capitalism wasn't God's will for creation. You ready for that one? You ready for that? One? I uh, yeah, okay. Hang up the phone now. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, like let's let's ask that. You feel me? Which is at the end of the day, what we're driving at. It's like the idea that objects prove God's like approval of you hmm. is like, oh, hmm. are are we ready to talk about that? Because if not, then the little uh, the 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 next gen, whoever's after us, I don't know what they called. Gen Z. Yeah. yeah. 
It's just, it's just gonna show up in tech with a robotic right. girlfriends. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. yo, here's <laughs> my AI girlfriend. I think flex. we've really walked this path now. I think we've got it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, robotic girlfriends, everybody. That's the fallout of that. On that note, well, what's after Generation Z? Does it start over? Oh no! It just falls off the ledge. It has to be. It has to be post uh, Second Civil War generation. No, uh, no, no, it's like the hurricane name. Some point yeah. it's yeah. back up. You're ruining my Tuesday, man. Yikes! Just talking about shoes, man. Yeah, Sorry. I thought we were to talk about shoes. <laughs> the good, the good of all this, the good of this account and account and things like this is that it stirs this conversation. I'm glad we're having it. I hope you all listening are having it too. I mean, it's a nuanced thing. It's a heart thing. Yeah, yeah. It's tough. It's tough. And I think we need to grapple with it collectively. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm glad you guys came on. Thanks for joining us, Prop Jamie. Yep. Um, appreciate your leadership in this conversation. I appreciate that you're using your platforms to to yeah. have this conversation. And it's important. I'm I'm glad to call you guys and, friends and, as a and, sh- and as came a, on as a show of appreciation. You will each be nailed <laughs> <laughs> one pair one, of Yeezys. Yeah, one. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh! But only if you'll wear love. them on your Instagram. Only if you wear yes. them on stage. That's the deal. Jamie, love is actually written on my arm right now. <laughs> is that what you mean to me? Oh man, that's dope. That's beautiful. All right, thanks, guys. All right, guys. Whoa. <laughs> Yeah. It's a lot to digest there. That was good though. Yeah. That was good. It was good. Woof. Are we t- are we still talking about that Easter candy list? Or are we talking about the <laughs> show conversation? You mean Cadbury was on the top and the bottom? Hey, dude, Wild, you know, isn't it? You know what I thought when I saw <laughs> I am going to start a business. It's rent a swag for pastors. It's for up oh, and yeah. coming. Oh, Jesse. <laughs> they, they might not be able to afford those off whites, but they can rent them from me. Just for Sunday morning. So it's rented. I mean, for all the things you say out loud, what goes on in your head that you don't say out loud? That's the part that's terrifying. (laughs) It's a very dark, mysterious place. The depths uh, of which have not been fully explored. Many thanks. (laughs) Many thanks to Jamie Torkowski and Prop for joining us. You find them on Instagram and follow them. They're good dudes. Uh, Thanks also to Social Club Misfits for joining us. Marty and Fern, they're awesome guys. Uh, Their new EP, Mood, is out now. Go get it. Support good art. I love it. And thanks to World Vision for making the episode possible. Remember, the Global 6K for Water is May 4th. Annie's going to be running it with some women's conference. We're going to be running it I didn't say I was going to be running it. I said they were having one. Yeah. <laughs> you, are, you made an assumption. You are participating. You assumed a flex that I did not say. <laughs> you so. are. Hey, you can walk or run it. You can yeah. push a stroller. Just participate. Right, 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 I, will right. Full push spr- a stroller. I will be full sprinting <laughs> in. What on earth? <laughs> I'm going to win it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's May 4th. It's coming up uh, in about, you know, what, three, four weeks. Oh, you got- may the 4th be with you. Yeah. 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 May the 4th be with the the all the children getting clean water. Yeah. <laughs> Our whole team is running it. Go to worldvision6k.org and find out how you can get involved. Do it. I, bu- I bought a brand new pair of Yeezy Boost runners just for this. Oh, and yeah. they'll be thrown into the garbage <laughs> after they're worn once because who wants I'm to wear I'm going to run in Gucci loafers. So I'm just figuring. I wouldn't. Yeah. yeah so I comfortable. Uh, <laughs> all right. On that note, we'll wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. Chandler Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Eddie Koffeltz. And I'm Annie F. Downs. We will see you on Friday. Have a good weekend, one.
for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from The Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. Today's episode is brought to you by Brain Juice. I'm jacked on this stuff, uh, whether I'm training, whether I'm watching videos with Jamie, where I'm getting free for UFC fight night, or cutting the sleeves off my affliction tees. Relevant Podcast Network. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.